0: To the Rugby Coaches Corner podcast with your host, Andy Plymer. Bringing you up to date coaching concepts from the world of rugby, sharing ideas to make the game better.
1: Welcome to episode 106 of the Rugby Coaches Corner podcast. I'm your host, Andy Plymer, and joining me today is Andrew Brownhill. Originally from the UK, Andrew recently relocated to Australia, where he now heads up the academy at Northern Suburbs RFU in Sydney, along with other coaching roles at the club. He's had roles with Worcester Warriors, the Scottish Rugby Union, and Gloucester Rugby, and it's a pleasure to have him on the show. So welcome, Andrew.
2: Thank you very much. Appreciate you. I uh, appreciate you having me on, and us finally being able to get a uh, get a date in the diary.
1: Yeah, mate. No worries. It's uh, busy, busy times for you relocating, and uh, you know, always busy for me. Always stuff going on, so I, I get uh, I get the schedule move around and everything like that. So how how are things going in Australia settling in?
2: Yeah, amazing. It's been it's been busy. It's probably been the most busy I've probably ever been in my life yeah. in terms of relocating because I had to sell my house and. Getting over here during a global pandemic was an absolute, was a nightmare, getting through all the red tape and stuff of Border Force and all that. But it was, uh, no, it's been well worth it since getting here. First two months, the weather has been absolutely amazing. And it's what I dreamt of. But now we've had four weeks of solid rain. um, And it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's still raining now. um, And it's rained every single day for four weeks. So I get posed the question (laughs) every single day by people, oh, this must remind you of being home. (laughs) (laughs) Good times. Did you,
1: uh, did you get a chance to go to Bondi and get the uh, the English tan at Bondi?
2: Yeah, well, that's a funny story because I actually, <laughs> um, I, I didn't quite grasp the concept of putting sun cream on before I went out. So I was like, I'll just put a sun cream on when I got out and got severely burnt. It's like the worst burn I've ever had in my life. Um, but yeah, that was the first beach I went to was Bondi. As soon as I was out of like three, oh, four Cara. day isolation, went straight down there and then quickly realized, I think I'm probably going to have to start working out before I get even closer, taking a shirt off down here. Got <laughs> 50, um, 50 year old blokes who are in the best nick I've ever seen in my life. It.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Clubbies. Yeah. It's uh that should be something on the, um, the visa when you come in is just a warning on, please put sunscreen on before you leave the house.
2: Yeah, even yeah. When it's like even when it's cloudy, it's been cloudy and like twenty-five <laughs> degrees, and I've I've got back home and I'm burnt, and I'm like, yeah, you got to
1: shine on, I can see, like, yeah. this is audio <laughs> only, but uh, you, it's popping a bit there, yeah, yeah, cool. Now the the most important question is, are you are you Tui's
2: new or are you VB? Where where are you at? Oh, um, wow, well, I'd probably say I'm more of a I'm more of a VB. I think if All i was good, gonna good, yeah. <laughs> that seems to be the go-to that everyone it drinks here. Well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, more of a, definitely probably more of a VB. <laughs> All right. Sweet. Cool. All right. Well, um, what, what about your playing backstory? What,
1: what, how, how's that look? When, when did you start and, uh, what were those experiences like?
2: I mean, I'd probably say it's, it's probably fairly bang average, really. I mean, it, like mm-hmm. I didn't get into playing rugby till I was late. So maybe 15 years old, right? Probably about, yeah, probably about 15 years old. I probably first started playing and that was, I just went to a local state school and we just happened to have a a PE teacher there, Mr. Kelly. And he was like a, like Gloucestershire man through and through, but proper rugby nut. And he ran the rugby at the school and he just, I was playing football at the time and he was like, I don't think you're built to play up front and be a striker in football. He was like, do you want to come and play rugby? And I was a bit like, I don't really know if I want to. And he was like, just come along to a session. I was like, what have I got to do? And he was like, just catch the ball and run really hard at people. So I literally just took his advice quite literally. And, and uh and yeah, and then and then just jumped into it there and just kind of got the bug really and went down to the local my local rugby club and played there and then yeah, sort of seemed to do all right and played sort of all the county sort of representative rugby, like Worcestershire County, North Mids, then Midlands under 18s, under 20s. Um, and then was involved with some of the sort of Scotland age grade stuff through their exiles um and sort of was involved in that till I was about sort of 18 19 again Um, and that was just on my mum's side so I went to England school boys at sort of under 16s and didn't get picked up and one of the guys there was like just having a chat to my parents on the sideline and they kind of said oh do you want to come along to these sessions these like we were looking for kids that have got family backgrounds that are Scottish like the classic like grandparents parents Mm. or have they got a Scotty dog type mentality. Mm. And then, yeah, they just went for that and sort of loved it. And yeah. And then I sort of got to, I think I enjoyed rugby to start with playing it. And then I think just the more serious it got, I think I started to lose interest in wanting to play. Mm. Um, And then, and then, yeah. And then like picked up a few injuries here and there and whatnot, but I was quite I didn't ever really have a bug to go back into playing again. So I stopped playing when I was about 21. So I moved to London and played for like a couple of London Prem sides there and and sort of then just decided I just can't be sort of training three times a week and then trying to Mm. work a full-time job and getting smashed about at the weekend. I was just a bit like, it was almost taking me. I found out later on in life that I suffered from arthritis really badly. Right. Like I was playing a game of rugby and training and it, I, it got to a point where I actually had to have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday off from rugby um, and then train on a Thursday for a team run and play on a Saturday because like my body and joints were in so much pain. And I just thought mm. it was just playing rugby. But then I had tests and investigations and they're like, no, you've actually got um, rheumatoid arthritis, which is why you're in so much pain. After <laughs> They were like, so you should probably stop playing rugby. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, But yeah, fairly, yeah, fairly sort of like bang average rugby background, really. Um, But yeah, and then sort of got the guy who sort of coached me with Scotland, uh, Rob Riley, who's still, he's still there now. Um, He's probably, he's legend of a bloke responsible for sort of any, any sort of Scottish qualifier player that's in that team at the moment. He's sort of single handedly sort of got them into that environment. Um, and when I got into coaching, when I was about 22, he kind of said to me, did you want to get back involved in doing the Scotland stuff just really randomly? So that's how the journey started sort of coaching wise for me.
1: Wow. That's awesome. it's enviable too to, to start at such a young age. Like, I like well, lo- I loved. I stopped playing when I was 40. So I, I loved it. Um, would still play now if, uh, if I could train and uh, if I could recover in time, which I definitely, felt like i had rheumatoid arthritis in my last season that's, that's for sure um but I'm, I'm definitely enviable of like guys like you who started at such an early age um because there's such a such a ceiling like you're you in terms of learning and i think you're a bit more you're a bit more risk averse to um at, at that young age to try try and try new things and take on new roles and and throw caution to the wind kind of thing. So yeah, what, 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 what are your thoughts on that in terms of uh, your starting age in coaching and how that's, how that's uh, helped you
2: moving forward? I think the best thing about it was, I think half the time I didn't know what I was doing, number one, <laughs> so that helped. I think there's that naivety of going into it where I just copy and pasted sessions from what I had when I was being mm. coached. Cause I sort of thought that's what good looked like and that's what coaching looked like. And I just sort of, sort of like not bumbled along, but I sort of was able, I was open to ideas because I didn't have a 10 or 15 year playing career where I had this set mm. idea of what it should look like. So if someone came to me of ideas or there was CPDs going on or someone gave me advice, I was very like open to it. And I'd, mm. I'd happily try it because I'd think, Oh, this might be good. This might not be. So definitely not so risk averse and, probably there was that naivety of being really fresh green into coaching and not really knowing what I was doing. Um, and being like the classic like Tuesday sessions look like this Thursday sessions, Mm. are team run throughs, and then a game's going to pan out like that. Um, but I was probably, I got really lucky and I did a few jobs like before I started coaching full time. So I worked on sort of worked on a farm and worked as like a pipe fitter and stuff and things. And then when I was like when I was 24, um, I got offered a full time job to work in a local private school coaching rugby. So that was sort of the that was sort of the first inlet into coaching day to day, which was yeah, which was pretty pretty incredible. It was I learned every day, which was good. Mm. What about mistakes? What were some of the big ones? Oh, I was lucky when I got into the school. The school had also just appointed uh, Sean Perry, who was sort of ex-England 9, and he was working with England under-18s and England 20s with the likes of Rusty and Fletch and Waltz. Mm. So he was working at the school, and I made loads of mistakes. Like, the best one was we had a game, first-team game, and I remember just shouting onto the pitch, like, telling the boys what to do and where they need to be and pulling them from side to side, and Pez just walked over, and he was basically like, he was like, mate, keep your mouth shut don't say it he was like don't say anything else until half time then you can talk but it was like we don't shout information onto the pitch he was like if you're going to say anything make it sure it's positive and you're encouraging the boys um, and then i good, was a bit good like feedback i mean it's it honest and brutal is is, is what it was but at the yeah. time i was a bit like what's what's he going on about like why I'm surely i'm coaching <laughs> like, i'm telling them what to do i'm like I'm sh- shouting onto the tighted prop. He needs to get three inches lower when he's 50 yards away from me. And he probably can't hear. Um, <laughs> but it was great. Cause afterwards we had a really long conversation for about two, three hours. Mm. Um, and we hadn't known each other very long and, and yeah, he just basically just went through sort of just, he changed a lot with me because I mean, he gave me a lot of belief and confidence and he let me try things like that. And he'd always give me honest feedback around anything. Mm. So if I did something that was shit, he'd just tell me and say, that's not very good. Or if I did something good, he'd tell me, that's really good. Um, And he just probably allowed me, because he came in with this, he had a mentality that it's not about about winning or results or winning on Saturdays. So we had a great Mm. environment where we could, he just let me try stuff, like try stuff all the time. Like sometimes he'd say to me, Oh, I'm not going to come, I'm not going to coach on a Saturday. So you can pick the team and you can make the subs and you can do all the stuff. I'm just going to watch. So that's awesome, which is great because I put players on in different positions and some, you know, sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. But he'd always just reflect back on me afterwards and sort of say mm. to me, Um, sort of, why did you do that? Lots of questioning around what he just wanted to know why I did everything, why are you doing this this way? Like, what's the reason behind it? So that, that helped me develop a lot into understand sort of why I coach the way I want to coach and mm. how I want to try and help people or work with athletes. But he was great. Like he played to the top end, played 17, 18 times for England. And so and played in France and England. So for him, for me, I've never played to that level. Like mm. I've never been a professional athlete for as long as that. And he basically would just tell me if I had questions around why the teams attack, why do they defend like that? What should the scrum look like? He'd just be an open book. He put me in contact mm. with other people, um, opened lots of doors for me. But he just was like, that's probably going back to the first question about being a young coach is I was just a sponge to everything. Yeah. So I just I just constantly write everything down all the time that he was telling me just constantly. I've got like 20 notebooks full of old notes from stuff that we'd have conversations about that are going back sort of seven, seven or eight years now. Um, and I'd just be writing it all down, just wanting to learn all the time, which is which mm. is probably a plus of being in that environment.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I, I think it also speaks to the power of having a good mentor. Like I, I think that can accelerate your coaching if you have someone who, yeah. Not all mentors are cred the same. Like he sounds yeah. like he was pretty, pretty blunt. Didn't mess around, and uh, you know, and you know. That's that's on you as well in terms of your personality. Be able to take that blunt feedback well and and keep going and keep pushing. So I think the mentorship piece is one that I feel is really missing uh, in a lot of
2: coach development. Yeah, and I think he, I think it's the way it's like sold as well because it's. I think when someone talks about having a mentor, it, it straight away it gets quite serious. And I yeah. think our our relationship our relationship started like we didn't, uh, we probably didn't see eye to eye straight away, which is really good. Like Mm. we had, we were very, very different people in some respects, but we had just honest conversations and, and we just spoke to each other every single day on the phone, just about random stuff, like not even about rugby half the time. It was just about life stuff and Mm. life experiences and shared experiences that we'd have. And, and that helped then be able to, for me or him to give me feedback on stuff, because I knew that he was saying something from like, he genuinely cared about me wanting to get better and helping me out. So mm. I knew if he told me something, whether it, I didn't want to hear it or not, or I did want to hear it, I knew it was coming from like a genuine place of care. Yeah. And yeah. he actually, he actually, he wasn't just saying it for the sake of it. He like, for him, he could just pack up and go home every day. He didn't have to have any conversations with me, but like he, we really worked sort of hard in that area. And I mean, it's valuable for me because we, I still speak to him every day, di- like not, I mean, not every day now because of the time difference, but I'll still speak to him one or, twi- one or two times a week on the phone. If we get the time difference right, when he's heading in to coach at Wasps, either impressive. in the morning or in the evening, we'll chat all the time. And he's been great. Like even giving me advice when I was over and iron about coming over here, he was like, mate, you may as well, you know, may as well go and coach in a different country, like have a crack at it, see what happens. Mm. And then, And you know, at the end of the day, he was always big on just like being a. Everyone says it, but it's that lifelong learner tag. And he was like, you go over there, like you've got no expectations. Like you could go over there for twelve months, you could go five years, but you're probably going to learn stuff and fail loads and learn a lot on the along the way. So you may as well Mm. just just jump in both feet with it.
1: Yeah, it's great advice. Cool. And what uh what did it look like before you you came over to Australia? You you you. In the intro, I mentioned your academy roles with uh, Gloucester and Worcester Warriors. What what were those roles about, and uh, what was your kind of day to day in those positions?
2: They were they were similar, so they were they were similar roles. Um, I just had been um, involved with Worcester sort of when I when I was a little younger and played, and then it just was a sort of a natural step to help out with the academy there. So mm-hmm. that was with our players from sort of twelve to sixteen. Um, to right. seventeen, and then I did a similar role, like a development player role at Gloucester as well. And I just moved over to Gloucester just because I wanted to change and to sort of challenge myself a little bit more and mm. go go in a different environment and see how other people do it. And that was, you know, we'd get. Every year under 13 level, we'd have sort of 125, 130 boys that would join the program. And then from 13, 14s and 15s, like no one gets dropped. They'd all stay in and we'd coach them sort of three or four four times a week. We'd coach them. And then we'd have uh, internal games or external games would be sort of once or twice a year, but the internal ones would happen about four or five times. And then when the boys get to 16, that's when some of them might get – decide they don't want to carry on anymore because mm. they don't, they they might take up another sport or that's where some of them might, we might say to them, look, we've got to reduce the numbers for the under 16, 17 and 18 age group. So like, here's your work ons and your plan. We'll stay in contact with you. We'll help you out. Um, but yeah, we'll, um, we reduce the size there, um, reduce the sort of playing group size when they got to that age group. Um, but yeah, very similar roles. Very, I, I, I enjoyed it. It was, um, that, that develop those development years of working with sort of young kids is, is sort of what I'm probably most passionate about really is just mm. helping people develop in that area. What were those, uh, what were those conversations like? I mean, I was quite lucky in that respect where we had, um, we'd have, we'd have other people sort of managers or leads of the program who would take a, they'd sort of take a, a forward step on that. So I didn't really mm. have to do that, uh, I um, had to do it with Scotland with the under 16s with them, but with, um, with Gloucester and Worcester, I didn't really have to. I probably got the better end of it where it was afterwards where the kids would come to you and be like, I need to work on this, this and this. Can mm-hmm. you help me in this area? So for me, right. you'd probably get a bit of a pissed off kid because he's been dropped. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he's got an action plan and he knows that if he goes away on it, he's probably got a really good chance of coming back in again.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, that's good as a coach for sure. And what about the Scotland role? You, that's probably where you spent
2: a lot of your time uh, coaching. What 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 was the description of that? That was sort of talent IDing um, boys from sort of 16 to 20 who were qualified to play, um, mm-hmm. sort of building relationships with them in the respective sort of English academies they were in. And then we'd get them together with Scotland boys into their age groups of sort of 16, 17s and 18s, um, They'd play internally and then we'd sort of play games against, um, like, uh, Welsh schoolboy teams, um, have festivals. Like we had Colwyn Bay festival that would happen every year, but I don't think because of COVID that's probably not going to happen anymore. Um, and then, yeah, and then it was just, we'd have them regionally. So we'd get them in sort of once every five or six weeks to a training session, whether like North, South or Midlands, um, keep tabs on them, look at them, and then sort Mm. of push them into the Scotland setup, basically. And if they're good enough, they'd get sort of, they could get satellited into the 18s or the 20s. Um, But again, it was just, I mean, working with players, giving them IDPs of where they can go. And, you know, we we knew that probably not all the boys who'd get in would go and play Scotland's representative, but Mm. it was good that quite a lot of them did. And even now, I mean, one of the lads sort of, Archie MacArthur, I mean, we saw him play for Oxford County and he wasn't even I think he'd been dropped by um his local academy. Um mm-hmm. and then we brought him into the Scotland setup and then he ended up captaining the under 16 Scotland side at Colwyn Bay. Um Sweet. and he's, you know, it is English as they come type of thing, but obviously mm-hmm. qualifies for a parent. But then he uh, he then gets he basically then got signed by Wasps. Signed a deal with them, and he sort of now played England 18s and England 20s, and he made his debut for Wasps um, last night, I think, or the night before in the Premiership Cup. So, like his journey now is sort of gone in a different direction. But sort of when we picked him up and sort of got hold of him, he was sort of just playing county level rugby. And then yeah, we did quite a lot of work with him for that year and the year after. And then it's just for me, I don't really mind where the boys end up as long as they're loving rugby. Yeah. Um, they're still playing and for him it's worked out great because he's playing for wasps and sort of it, he's been in that England under 20s environment which is you know which is fantastic yeah for sure and what were what were some of the things that popped out
1: about him when you when you saw him and watched him play and uh, thought you know he's a guy who's been dropped from an academy but i think they've probably made a wrong decision
2: i probably he's a he's a natural leader just seems mm. like, saying that, I hate using words like that, but he just seemed <laughs>
1: the get. whole thing of
2: like... <laughs> I'm the same. <laughs> the whole, just people gravitating towards him and, and mm. hanging on to his every word just seemed to just happen for him at, at such yeah. a young age for 16 as well. So that's why he capped in the side. Yeah. Um, but rugby-wise, like naturally, he's so strong, like really, really good ball runner, but was clever mm. and understood rugby. Like he understood rugby a lot um, and he was just uh lead by example type of leader sort of his actions spoke for themselves and he played sort of he played exceptionally well during that festival and I think we played three games that week and he he was he was a standout in in every single one of them. Um awesome. <clears throat> so for him it was just giving him the confidence and the arm probably round him that he needed like with I think with mm. so many kids now I yeah, think it's so important. Eh? I mean that's just sort of breached into sort of my philosophy as three things I wrote down before coming on here was like help belief and confidence. I think a free, free words in free areas that like young kids want more than anything nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, I think to myself, thank God I'm not a kid. I'd hate to be a kid coming up now with all social media and the pressures yeah. they're under. And I just think 100%. they just want people, they just want someone that's got a bit of confidence and a bit of belief in them um, to really help them in that regard. Well, let's let's jump into that now because that was my next question about
1: your. If someone was to ask you your coaching philosophy, how how would you you mention it there? But how how would you go into that in a bit more detail?
2: I mean, <clears throat> simple terms, I'd say it's it's help get the best out of people. Mm. Um, I mean, help people realize their full potential. I think everyone's got potential inside of them. I just think you're your sort of social background of where you might have come from can sometimes stunt that a little bit, your family environment, your school environment. And that's why I think kids coming, whatever level it is, if it's grassroots or even kids are lucky enough to go into elite environments, I think they just need an arm around them, some confidence and someone to give them a bit of belief and show them a bit of care to actually, for them to realize that bloody hell, like I'm actually quite good at this. Um, and to help express themselves. And then probably a more, I really, really like the old um, Greek philosophical quote, a society grows great when old men plant trees in whose shade they shall never sit in. So for me, like that probably sat really resonated a lot with me with what I do working with a lot of younger kids. When I did Mm. kids 13 to 18, like for me is I want them to be really good rugby players. Like I want them to, I'd love them all to play professional rugby because of the of the world it opens up to them but like as long as they're just good people by the end Mm. of it in in 10 years time if they're a good work colleague or a good husband or a good father like and they've taken some of the stuff they learned from me when I coached them like that's probably winning more than if someone actually went and played pro rugby I'd much rather they turned out to be a really decent person from the time they've had with me
1: yeah yeah and I think well you you, there's a couple of things in there for me like one especially from a teaching background you you never know fully what's going on in a kid's life when they walk into your classroom or onto the field so I think that's really important for coaches to reflect on and I I definitely know you know in my in my early playing years that was that was definitely something that that popped up for me was how and you raised it well there how how were you parented how what was your family life like what was your situation like and that definitely influenced how how I responded to feedback and criticism and rejection from being dropped um, and how I worked in a team as well so I think that's something definitely coaches uh, need to reflect on for sure and yeah it's, a, it's just there's no there's no black and white athlete that you're going to get like this is how i expect you to be and this is how we're going to do it um especially now with the mm-hmm. the information that they have and how they are able to express themselves and their ideas that they have formed in their their own personal philosophies uh, if you don't match up to that or if you kind of go against that or or push them in a direction you're going to lose them for
2: sure yeah, 100%. Like I always say to coaches, or I had someone said to me once, just imagine what the car journey's been like for the kid getting here, and then imagine mm. what that car journey's been like on the way here, on the way yeah. back home. Because yeah. as you say, each kid's different. I think in rugby, we've probably got a large percentage of boys in England anyway who are from quite affluent backgrounds who play in top private schools, and then probably i probably resonated with the 20 percent who aren't in that bracket because for me Mm. when i went in to play county rugby and north mid rugby and count midlands rugby there was only three or four of us in a squad of 35 who weren't at a private school so Mm. like we just went to normal state schools. so i've always resonated well with those sort of boys who are probably from the lower social economic background um because that's what my sort of background was like when i was younger we had a sort of for a few years and stuff, we, we had like, things were tough for us when we were younger. Like I sort of, sort of my mum worked sort of three or four jobs and Mm. my my dad was ill for a while, so he couldn't work. So he had leukemia. So for my mum, she was working three or four jobs, 70, 80 hours a week. And then being a mum to three children um, and, and doing all this kind of stuff. So, you know, sort of counting coppers and pennies and stuff to do food shopping was like regular so for me to then go into rugby environments and make friends in rugby who are from completely different backgrounds to me and i'd go to their houses and be like i'll be like jesus christ i didn't even realize the doors <laughs> were this big like literally used to like a little tiny free bedroom house but yeah probably more that that's probably mm-hmm. helped me a lot understand kids that everyone's background's different um and some kids like me i just needed someone to have a bit of confidence in me and a bit of belief mm-hmm. in me and a bit of help in me and that's probably I probably see myself in some kids that I see turn up to sessions who, yeah. I can almost already feel what that home life's like for them, um, mm. which has helped. And I just try and say that to coaches, just like imagine what it's like for them. Like each yeah. kid's different, so each kid's going to have their own set of values and shared experiences that they're going to need help on.
1: Yeah. And I'd even argue that even the the kids from that affluent background they're 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 dealing with their own things as well. There's probably massively you know, some some parental abandonment there to pursue these high end careers and yeah those kind of things. So you're you're gonna you're gonna have that kind of all in the mix as well. So yeah yeah uh an approach that's more athlete centered and kind of
2: a bit softer in certain areas uh, is important, I think. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. I mean, I know there's everything's quite big on sort of the athlete-centre approach, but I, I mean, I think you've got to get to understand all your athletes on a yeah. one-to-one basis. Yeah. Um, you've got to, like, you, it's that whole thing. Of, as soon as you do that, it's a bit like what I said about me and Sean. Like, as soon as we got to know each other and he got to know me, mm. giving feedback and working with each other is so much easier. And then I think it's like, for me, the most important thing around that with working with kids, even younger kids, I think just being honest with them. Like if the kids need feedback about something because they need a certain yeah. part of their game needs to improve, like just be honest. Yeah, you can be honest and, and, and you can, it's not going to, I think sometimes we can fall foul thinking we might hurt a kid's feelings or, but I think there's a way in which you do it. Mm -hmm. which comes back to that piece around your language and how you communicate because you can say to someone, you need to work on your past because your past isn't good enough, but you can say, but here's the plan and here's the process and Mm. I'll help you get there. So at at the moment, it's not not where it is and there's four or five factors behind that, that some of them aren't your fault, but here's the plan Mm. and here's the process and I'll help Mm. you and we'll help you along the way. So you've given them honest feedback, you've told them how it is, but at the same time, you haven't just sort of left them out there to dry which is no. probably what might happen a few years ago yeah. i think yeah <laughs> no, I,
1: I agree uh cool and what about, what about your own professional development how do you how do you
2: stay up to date i'll probably say um sort of being in i'm in sort of loads of whatsapp groups with other coaches from different sports um, from all around the world and that helps because they mm. sh- they sort of shine a light on on different areas but i mean i've i i for me when i was in over in england it's been a lot harder here because i haven't got so many contacts in australia but say over back home i'd just go and email in and sort of write in or, or get phone numbers of people in football environments or sort of rugby or rugby league environments and just go in and spend spend a day or half a day in their environment and mm. um i was lucky Birmingham City Football Club let me into their environment for a day and I got to spend a whole day with them and they gave me sort of all the time in the world to look at their environment of how they deal with kids all the way from 10 years old all the way up to the, the pro, pro boys that sort of some of them have played prem, prem football and that's helped a lot just going into environments sort of seeing other people meeting other people um just trying to get out of the rugby bubble has helped um mm. but then having a good mentor like I said before like having like Sean and other people to bounce ideas off and speak to helps massively because I'll sort of say to them this is happening this is going on what do you think could I change this or I a lot of the I film my sessions so I can watch myself back but I'll send my footage mm. to other coaches that I know and say what do you think of this and I'm lucky that they'll they know me we've got a good relationship and they'll 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 tell me if it's good if it's if it needs improving or could i do something differently so i'd probably say just connecting with as many people as possible and you'd be quite mm-hmm. surprised at if you reach out to people actually who might actually pick up the other end of the phone i mean when we had the lockdown we had like a 12 month lockdown back home in the UK. So I, I was bored and like furloughed, which was obviously, se- it was like semi-retirement because you were just being paid to stay at home, which was amazing mm. for the first six weeks. It was like, <laughs> it was like retirement, but it got really boring really yeah. quickly. And I was just thought, I'm just going to try and speak to as many coaches as possible. And so I reached out to say like Bernard Jackman, he uh, he, he, I literally, well, I mean, that man is, given me so much time over the past 12 oh, months it's been ridiculous awesome. and he yeah. he always helps me out with stuff so I reached out to him and we 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 ended up having some real good chats on the phone and then um spoke to, again like Sean Edwards as well was another amazing one so got mm. his got, got his phone number and probably spent about two hours trying to figure out how I'm going to put this text together. Cause it's, it's like the scariest man <laughs> in the world. But I just literally just sent this text and I didn't even know if the number was going to work or not. Cause the guy who gave yeah. it to me was like, Oh, we, he coached me when I was at wasps. So this is the number I had for him. I don't know if it's the same, but that's going back sort of 15 years, but yeah. the man's got the same number, believe it or not. Yeah, <laughs> and uh,
1: Probably a flip phone too.
2: <laughs> that's what I reckon. But he messaged me back and he was like, mate, yeah. I'm obviously living in France. He was like, I'm free tomorrow. Do you want to have a chat on the phone? And I had a, an hour long conversation on the phone, and he was with great. It. Like, yeah. gave me loads of advice. I was like, Look, I'm a def- I'm quite passionate about defense. I said, You're the best in the world at it. Like, what advice have you got? And he made, he shared so much stuff with me and was so was open. was one big thing? What was one big thing out of that convo? Communication was the biggest thing. He was yeah. like, Just be clear and to the point. Um, and he said, Just make sure, like, put a bit of onus on the players. So, in that, he was like the players do all the analysis he said oh i might have one clip but he said that onus is on the players but he was like Mm. it's all about communication he said if you can communicate and just be precise and to the point and wrap up your point in sort of 25 30 seconds when you when you're Mm. delivering something he was like that's the that's one of the biggest takeaways i took from it and he sort of ended the conversation because i said to him look i really appreciate your time and he was like look man i had when I was coming into coaching I had older heads that would give me loads of time to help me with my coaching and I always said Mm. if someone reached out to me to have a conversation I said I'd always help them out but he was like I don't think many people sort of want to or like (laughs) have a bit of pluck up the courage to drop a text message um but yeah he was cool and that that sort of stuff's helped like genuinely like just you'd be surprised at especially the real high profile people. Cause you see them on TV or you yeah. read stories about them, but they're just like really, really open to learning. I've got a few friends that I've reached out to Eddie Jones, sort of, he's done the same with them and mm-hmm. given him, given them time. And he's got a, has the persona that is sort of a hardy character, but they all mm-hmm. said that he was, he was good as gold and gave them loads of advice. Clearly like definitely with the podcast, like that's, that's what I experience is.
1: They, they love rugby and they, they want to talk about it. And especially if they know it's about, it's about coaching, it's not about anything outside of that, none of the peripheral stuff. Um, and I've had the same. It's, uh, you know, talk to Eddie, talk to Checker. Um, and I don't think I've ever been as um, scared. Uh, pre-interview for either of those ones that one just <laughs> some, had to work through some deep breathing exercises to to get up for that one but um yeah that was great and then you know the other one that springs to mind when he's talking about that is is Wayne Smith um that, that guy was amazing when I spoke to him and um you know I sent him the questions through and he said oh I don't think we're going to have enough time for this and I'm like that's cool like we'll just i'll i'll go with what you can give me and then yeah. by the end of it i'm like oh actually i've kind of got some things i'm gonna get get done here before i yeah. pick the kids up so um yeah he he ended up just wanting to talk and chat rugby um
2: you know they're passionate about it and they love it that's the one like i just wrote the word down when you said you're scared Like, yeah. i don't think we talk about that as coaches because like especially yeah. when like you get older like people like i remember going into coaching and i was shitting myself before so mm. many sessions i was yeah, generally scared yeah. to deliver a session because like you, i was always concerned about how i sounded and how i got my communication across because mm. i didn't sound like sort of a. everyone that coached me playing rugby was six foot five ex players, yeah. or like nor- northerners from back home so they all sounded mm. scary but i was a bit more softer of my approach and how i sound and I used to be scared beforehand. And like Pezza used to literally just watch me at my... he just watch me deliver a session and put pressure on me all the time. And he could see that I was getting agitated and not agitated, but nervous. But uh, mm. as a work on for me, but I just don't think we talk about being scared enough. Like before I spoke to Sean Edwards, I was absolutely bricking it on the phone. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> literally, literally like, I was like, oh my God, what's he going to say? What's he going to say? Like,
1: yeah. but Yeah. I've been teaching for uh, 25 years, and at the start of every semester, I'm I'm always nervous. And even like in the middle of the semester, there'll be some lessons where I'm like, "Oh, hang on, I haven't I haven't this is new," and I, I get a little bit nervous, and I double check my notes, and I, I make sure like I'm on top of things. And but I think that's good. I think it it, it gets you it's get, it gets you into that mindset of okay, I, I have to really deliver well here. Um, because if you're just cruising, it's it's you know you're not you're not doing anything. You're you're just doing the same stuff over and over again, and you're not getting yeah. better. You could do that for twenty years and not get better. And your your athletes or your students, whatever the
2: case may be, they're they're not going to grow from that experience. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the reasons why I wanted to move abroad, and I came out to Oz was because I felt like I was cruising, and it was quite easy for me back home, and. I probably could have I think if I was still there now I'd probably be doing the same thing that I was doing before so that's what you know and I was petrified when I moved over here like I hardly knew like hardly knew anybody and I had stuff lined up in work and stuff but yeah massively scared and working in a different environment but I think that's probably one of the main reasons why I wanted to go and do something was to just that's probably some advice i got from those coaches like bernard was like "Make go and coach in a different environment go and coach in a different country like yeah go and do it like you may as well like you've got like i don't have kids so don't i all i had to do was sell my house and car which is pretty easy enough to do so Mm. i had no sort of no ties that i had to stay there for so for me i was like well i may as well just jump at it and, and see what happens
1: hi coaches just a quick update on the evolve rugby online coaching course that i'm currently producing based on the content from 100-plus awesome guests of the podcast. I've recently wrapped up a beta trial of the first five chapters with a group of coaches from the UBC men's rugby program out in Vancouver, British Columbia. They went through all of the video content, worksheets, the course journal, and have provided me with some amazing insight. Top quality coaches giving me excellent feedback on the course material is exactly what I need to make Evolve Rugby as impactful as possible. So, a huge thanks to Curry and all of his coaches out there at UBC for their time. More updates on Evolve Rugby to come in future weeks, but for now, kick back and enjoy this episode. Cheers. you with Norse. What's a bit of a description of the club for those who don't know, and uh, what's, a,
2: what's a description of your role? So, they play in the Shoot Shield, which is sort of New South Wales or Sydney's and probably Australia's sort of premier rugby division underneath the the super rugby so you'll get you'll uh, get some emails from Queenslanders <laughs> I can already feel it now uh just just we'll just fact check that for you um, <laughs> but yeah uh and and yeah so our sort of super rugby franchise connected to us is is the Waratahs so um it's a it's a sort of a semi-professional slash professional environment where we've got boys who have it's quite good in a way where we have lots of young boys at the club. So lots of boys that are 19, 20, 21, 22, mm. 23, up to 25, who are still really pushing for that. They want to try and push to the next level and maybe play super rugby. Um, and, and then we've got the other end of the spectrum where we've got the sort of social side um, of the club as well. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, the club is called Northern Suburbs and sort of we're based in North Sydney. Um and and yeah, we're sort of uh, probably past few seasons. They finished they, the when the season got cut short last season because of COVID. They were second in the league behind Sydney mm. Uni, I believe. So they're sort of a sort of past four or five years, they've been sort of like a top four, um, yeah. a top four club. So uh, we sit in the top half of the league, and yeah, we've um, we're definitely sort of pushing this season anyway to sort of finish top and win the championship or, or or get get into that top two at least anyway again
1: yeah and they won it a few years ago uh as well right with yeah. uh, when simon crom was was heading up who's now yeah. with the western force
2: yeah yeah so they've had some they've had some really good they've had some really good directors of rugby over the past few years and i think even um i think he he told me uh, even Ben Darwin, the ex sort of Wallabies yeah, prop, who there. now yeah. now 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 sort of ro- runs his own company doing really well. He's um he was sort of again director of rugby there and played there mm. as well. Um so it's got a real good history. Club's got a really, really good history. Um interesting fact I learned was the COVID cancelled the season, and that was the first time the season had been cancelled since World War One. Oh wow. um, yeah, so that was quite an interesting fact. Um, but yeah, so sort of my role really is sort of head of academy for them. Um, mm-hmm. And the skills coach, so I'll do the um, so engage their boys that they get from sort of 16 years old, um, and then right through until they're 18, making sure that they then transition up into the colts, mm-hmm. um, which is there obviously for people. But the colt system over here is like it's probably the most high speed tempo rugby I've ever seen in my life. Like the cool. standard is unbelievable. So it's like under 20s rugby basically. Um, And then making sure the boys transition into that and then working in that environment there where hopefully those boys, after they've been with us for two years in that under-20s environment, are then able to transition into grade. Mm. Um, And the club seems to have a really good good process in doing that. So we had sort of last year about 35 boys from their sort of under-20s moved up into their grade system. So they have loads of boys that come through and they transition Mm. into men's rugby, which is which is great for the club, and it's also great for the community. And uh, how how often do you see the players? What's uh, what's your week look like? So quite a few times. So they'll have we'll have like free they They'll have about three training sessions a week. Um, plus, then we've got games on Saturdays. Mm. Um, then we've got our review sessions. Uh, so reviewing the game back, um, and that's sort of like all of their games get recorded. We review them all back. So we have loads of contact with them. And for me, it's been. I've loved this more than my previous roles just because of the interaction I can have with the boys. Mm. Cause I'm, they're all sort of 18 plus a lot of the boys I deal with. So mm. for me, I can have WhatsApp conversations and groups with them. I can meet them for coffee. I can meet them yeah. for food. We can, I can sort of mentor them better um, mm. and have a closer relationship to them. Mm. Um, so yeah, probably get, it's great in that way. I get loads of contact with them. Um, and for those boys, they're sort of juggling rugby and work at the same time. Yeah. Um, And yeah, so for me, sort of with my philosophy and where I sit with one, like helping them reach their potential, I feel like I can get, I can be more hands on with them here because just because they're adults, basically. And I'm not dealing in that sort of child protection, sort of 16, 17, 18 year old where you're quite limited on how, on what you can do or how close you can get with them. Um, But yeah, so it's quite full on, weeks are quite full on. Um, And then sort of we've had a few trial games. sort of negating the weather and then the season starts this week against uh eastern suburbs um cool. so yeah that's a, gonna be a bit of a that'll be a be a tough game sweet exciting and yeah.
1: what what about some of the things you've noticed uh working working with aussie players compared to you know your time at gloucester and and scotland and the like how much did they swear compared to oh, the others mate
2: don't even get me started on that like like that that's been one for me is that swearing is what which I swear quite a lot anyway but for me I've never yeah. heard so much swearing and number yeah, two it's yeah, um yeah. and uh and it's just even getting used to like Aussie language as well that's been yeah. another one like yeah. even like just random sayings that people say like far out and too easy and stuff I'm like what does yeah. that mean and they're like what do you mean what does it mean and I'm like we just don't say that back home it means you what know? it means come on yeah, yeah yeah it means what it means like it doesn't really mean anything um but no they're um i probably say the main thing is loads of them at school have played the one thing i've learned is that aussie rules is mm-hmm. ev- every country in the world should be playing aussie rules like it should be in every school system across the world because mm. it like kids are playing on a circle pitch which i've stolen loads of training ideas for that so rather yeah. than rather than coning out a square or a rectangle actually cone out a circle for them to play a mm-hmm. game in because their 360 vision like the kids like peripherals and 360 and spatial awareness is like it's crazy like i did some stuff with the um the younger lads at the waratahs a few weeks ago and like their peripheral vision and their like just their vision and their skill set around catch and pass and movement is like mm. is far ahead of personally i think of what ha- is happening back home in the Northern Hemisphere. And I think mm-hmm. it is because they play loads of basketball, loads of mm-hmm. AFL, touch footy when they're a kid. Yeah, um, and a then one, like sure. like loads of touch footy, like these kids are catching pass skills at like 12 years old are amazing. Um, and then they all play league as well. So mm. they're playing so many sports and chuck cricket in there as well. So they're still yeah. getting smashed with all these sports at school. And that helps them become sort of, more skillful. I mean, that's the one thing I've seen here is like the kids are so skillful at rugby. Like I've been blown away by how skillful they are um, and their potential is huge and sort of like if Australia rugby and everything sort of get that all in check and get that mm. all right. And I know there's a lot of planning and stuff that's happening at the moment. I mean, there's they could sort of, I mean, not, I think if you put any of those sort of top six shoot shield teams back in England, I think they'd all probably they'd all be in and around the top four of the championship back home. Mm, cool. um, they're probably that, that that's the probably skill level they're at. And probably even yeah. some of them like a Sydney uni and probably us and maybe yeah, a few yeah. others might even be able to push even higher than that just because yeah. of the facilities and the coaches that they've got available to them. But, um, but yeah, I mean that it's probably just the skill level is so high. Um, and, and they're laid back as well. Like quite a lot of the boys are laid back, which is like, I like and I don't like sometimes especially if we're doing like (laughs) IVPs and work ons it's like yeah Yeah. man I'll I'll do it when I do it type of thing it's like no worries it's like and it's like yeah but is is it not a worry though I'm a bit like but it's just but that's one of the reasons why moving over here I wanted to was because it's a different culture and environment and Mm. it's fucking every day is a challenge but every day I learn something new and every day is like I always come away from work thinking like I always write stuff down and think wow I've learned something here, or that was amazing, mm. or this that and the other, so I think I haven't had a day yet where I'm like, thank God that day's over like yeah. Jesus, that was a drag so that's probably the plus side anyway, yeah, yeah, that's awesome, that's what you want and what about challenges
1: what are what have been some of the things where it's like oh i gotta I gotta reevaluate what I'm doing here or I've gotta really kind of put my head down and and
2: grind through this a bit. I'd probably say understanding each player because they. I was brought up in a very sort of question led coach development environment where it was all about questions. So, mm. question, question, question. But actually, <clears throat> within the first week of training, I asked a question of a kid and he was like, Just fucking so tell me what I need to do. He's like, he like, I don't want like, to question. He was like, Just tell me what I need to do. And I was like, What do you mean? And he was like, Where do I need to stand? Just tell me what I need to do. So, like, <laughs> For me, like and obviously like they're adults now so like they're not mm. kids but mm. for me it reevaluated that actually I now know because I've been working there for three months now I sort of know the kids individually or the lads individually mm. so like some kids probably need questioning but others they just want to be told yeah. and I probably think reflecting on that for a coaching point of view I think actually that's the sort of that's what coaching is, is just understanding your athletes individually so you know their needs so like coach development or coaching is not just like one size fits all i think some Mm -hmm. boys want to be told because that's just how they learn whereas others Mm -hmm. would want a question but i've never ever had a kid or someone turn around to me before and say can you just tell me what i need to do so for me i was a bit like bloody hell but yeah that's probably been sort of the biggest challenge but a good challenge in a way because i think it's probably helping me if i ever move on or move into a different environment i know Mm -hmm. i'm probably prepared for that um yeah and I understand that. Um, and yeah, probably just under like it's a different, it's a different culture and sort of people are understanding who's receptive to more feedback and more honest mm-hmm. feedback. And probably, yeah, it's probably been the biggest, biggest learn, learning curve really for me since moving over here. Yeah. It's a
1: great point. And no, I, I kind of, I've gone, I've gone down that rabbit hole and we, we talked a bit about this before we, we started the interview. I've gone down that rabbit hole before where it's like, just question everything like questions, questions, questions. And then um, you know, we've been on those coaching PD courses where it's like, man, we've just got to get an answer here or we've just got to like move on or whatever the case can be. And, and some, some of the more cerebral athletes like that others, it's just like, let's go, just tell me. And, and yeah. also I think there's a cultural thing there too. I think if, um, if you, if you're, if you're coaching, you know, for example, in Australia, if it's a Polynesian kid or an Aboriginal kid, often yeah. the, the thought that an adult is asking them a question and wanting that feedback back is there's, there's going to be some, some divides there that, that they've never, or maybe not never, but they're, they're not comfortable in that situation. So, so how do you approach
2: that is, 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 is a good thing to think about as a coach. Yeah. Massively. That's, I've never coached Polynesian boys since coming, like before I didn't, didn't coach any when I was over in the UK, but coming over here, work it. That's the one thing I was, I was not shocked, but I didn't obviously again, like you reflect on it, but like you ask a boy, like especially a lad from got one lad um, from uh, Tonga and he is like the, he is like six foot five. He is mm-hmm. huge, like really big presence. But like you ask him it's a question, gentleman, yeah and but generally like just a proper gentleman like you ask him a question and like he goes in on his in on himself like he he goes really quiet and really timid and like exactly like he's got he's got a big persona but like you ask Mm. him a question and for me I'm I was a bit like so now it's like rather than asking that question in a group I'd probably go Mm. more one-to-one away from a a group yeah um or even sometimes like he might just want oh, I just want to know what I need to do so I just tell him mm, and that's because yeah. that's him telling me what he wants from me so exactly. as the coach I can't ignore what he wants um but yeah that again like again we're, like it's very multicultural here like huge sort of kids from italian backgrounds like mm-hmm. first generation immigrants um as you said aboriginal polynesian boys so like the mix of people is is like far greater than back home i'd say it's mm. been working in the environment that i do which has been i've loved it to stop yeah. at the moment anyway
1: that's awesome and you mentioned the season's about to kick off what's uh you must be pretty fired up for that and what are you what are, what's your what's your actual main game that you're going to be coaching and what are you what are you hoping for there
2: i mean i'd probably say Oh, yeah, I'm fairly pumped up because I haven't. This is the first time I've coached in a like I'd say, a competitive league where there's points to play for. Um, mm. there's championships to be won. Um, so for me, I've always worked in that development space where yeah. sort of that sort of winning has been a bit of like a dirty word where. You don't make it about winning, but it's, for me, I've just been trying to say to the boys, that like they want to win. Like the boys yeah, just want to because. win every single game. Like they love it. Yeah. So for me, I'm like being like, well, let's, let's talk about competitiveness. And they're like, no, it's winning. Yeah. That's whether yeah. like, it's winning or anything, but <laughs> yeah. no, like, they're pumped for it. I'm, I'm excited for it as well. Um, and then, yeah. And then sort of our sort of under twenties, we kick off on, um, on Friday night um, under the lights, which is always cool. Sweet. Um, against uh, sort of eastern suburbs, which is going to be a um, which is yeah, it's going to be a big one. We played them preseason. Um, we played them f- sort of first trial game, and that was pretty. It was a night eye- we had a lot of fresh boys. We had a lot of boys from the country that joined this year, so we had about oh, fifteen sweet. lads come in from mm. sort of as far out as Orange and places. So mm. they yeah. they're sort of fresh into this environment. So it was a massively it's an open is a an eye opener for them, but a good thing because they straight away. We're like, right, our IDPs. What we're like, what do we need to improve on? So, mm. they've been really on it, at training and pushing themselves. Um, but yeah, and then I probably say, like, we just want to be in the mix at the top this year. Um, we definitely want to, like, we're definitely more than capable. Um, mm. I've sort of enjoyed bringing a sort of that sort of scrum in line out sort of flavor to. Yeah. Um, to the team, and luckily, you got the you weather know, for it by the sound of it. The weather for it, and the question I get told all the time is, Oh, it must, re- must remind you of home, yeah, all this rain. Perfect. And I'm like, Yeah, and I'm like, uh, I say to my partner <laughs> all the time, I'm like, She's obviously lived here before, so she's used to it, yeah. but I'm like, I, I sold the dream that it was going to be 27, <laughs> 28 degrees, sunshine, and, and no clouds, and it has rained four weeks solidly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean. We played a game at the weekend against Eastwood and that was like, the rain was atrocious and it literally, it almost turned into a pick and go fest, which I'm glad it didn't do because it was going to remind yeah. me of like, watching watch rugby days, back home yeah. again. But that's yeah. the, probably going back to what I said. Like, even with, a it, it hammers it down with rain here. The boys still want to play rugby. Like, mm. they, still chuck, they still chuck the mm. footy around. They yeah. still want to pass it wide. They'll still try offloads out the back door. Like, they don't really let the weather affect sort of how they're going to play Um, yeah
1: and that's that's two good things you've raised there is like you've got a team that really wants to win but you as a coach know that the fog of war can really take that train off the tracks and if it's if it's a win-only mentality that's that that's a slippery slope and then you've got the other side of it where you've got a team that wants to express itself and wants to go hard and wants to experiment and try things. So that's a real balancing act. You can't, you can't squash that, but you've also, you've got to kind of caress that a bit to, to get the desired outcomes out
2: of it. Yeah. hundred percent. Like even I say to them, like some of the boys, like, just think about your behaviors when you play and like, as long as you can come off that pitch, knowing that you gave your all like, I said to one of the boys, I was like pointing out sort of five or five or six things he was doing off the ball. He thought they were going to be negatives, but I was saying they're all positives, like your communication, Mm -hmm. like your work rate off the ball, like putting yourself in places where you probably didn't need to go, but you wanted to, to make that tackle to try that little bit harder. I was like, they're Mm -hmm. the behaviors sort of, that like they're controllables yeah they're controllables and also they're just like they're just really good life lessons to learn whilst playing rugby like Mm. working together selfless acts hard work like even if you don't go and play professional rugby you like you're going to go into the workplace and get a job and like Mm. all those free and if I was interviewing someone and I was working for a bank or a business I'd want those free attributes and you learn them through rugby um but yeah that comes back to that balance of you want them to win you want them to do well but also if you don't want them so focused on it that that is what only sort of that's what their success looks like when it's so much more than yeah. that yeah no 100 percent. all right um final question before we wrap things up um
1: i enjoy checking out your, tw- your twitter stream um you you've got a unique approach there you you throw up a bunch of um I don't know if we'll call them motivational statements or more just (laughs) quotes from coaches or stories about coaches. Um, what, what's your, what's your motivation there and, and how, how is that received and what have you learned from that kind of um, process that you're going through there?
2: Um, I probably say I started doing it because I was, I was, I was getting really annoyed when I was, I was watching loads of stuff on YouTube, like coaches conferences and talks and stuff. Mm. And then I'd, I'd, I'd always clip up little snippets of what, of what I'd seen to show other players or show other coaches. Yeah. And then I just started putting it online and then pe- loads of people started resharing it and liking it. And mm. people see it, it, people received it. Well. Um, And then I sort of, I think we fall foul of living in a bit of an echo chamber of sport probably like people who are on twitter for politics do but like especially for rugby like we -hmm. can just live in an echo chamber of where we just surround ourselves with people who think the same do the same sound the same and look the same so that's why people assume all the videos i put on twitter i believe in myself but a lot 50 50 split 50 percent of the videos i put up on there i just want to cause a bit of a stir in the sense of i want a good i want a good discussion to happen i want Mm. i'll put football ones up there of sort of Jose Mourinho saying no 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 you need to run the game so like you as the coach manage the game you tell the players where they need to go what they need to do Mm. because I want I want to cause a discussion because I I think in coaching world we just we live in this echo chamber of like even I've chucked some up about drill-based practice against game-based practice where I've put a video up there and I've said like it's all about drills like (laughs) I I don't really believe that but like I know that's gonna (laughs) people are gonna see that and go well that's not people are going to be foaming at the mouth, but that's sort of what I want because I want people to have a discussion. Mm. And I just think the more we can discuss in chat and have open dialogue about stuff, I just think the better, the better it's going to be, which is probably one of the reasons why I like doing it. Cause I always get sort of people will chuck me a DM saying, Oh, can I use the video? I really like it. Or some people will um, like, I've had who so like Dan Cox is a guy who's a rugby coach back home. He now runs the sort of Bristol sort of, um, ACE program, I believe at their college. Mm. And then you've got sort of, um, he'd always message me and be like, uh, he dropped me a message being like, just send your video. Uh, just why do you think this? And why do you think that? So he challenged me on stuff myself, which is great because I want that challenge, but also like I want people to have those discussions openly. Um, and that's that's probably why I like doing it, really. It's just it, it gets a good reception from people, but also people are able to see different viewpoints from different sports. And Yeah. Like, there's been a big sort of... Well, it's the
1: culture uh, stuff, too. This one this yeah. one drives me fucking bananas, is <laughs> rugby has this high and mighty culture and, like, we're, we're the best sport and no other sport picks up jerseys or sweeps a shed or anything like that. It's, yeah. it's just total bullshit.
2: Yeah, rugby values. Oh yeah. mate, yeah, don't even get me, me started on it. Like <laughs> if people knew half the stuff that rugby players and coaches got up to, like if they knew <laughs> if they saw the inside of a lot of environments, Gosh. they wouldn't be they would not be going on yeah. about rugby values. But that again is like it's just if you look at say like Steve Kerr with the Golden State Warriors, like the yeah. basketball coach, mate, like his like he has got an environment there that is like it's unbelievable. Unreal. It's amazing, but he doesn't bang on about culture. No, like the one thing no. I think I've found is the coaches or the clubs that aren't speaking about their culture have usually got a really good culture. It's the ones mm. who say, like, we've got a great culture. Rugby values this, All rugby blacks. that. Um, sorry, <laughs> keep going. Yeah, but, but, like, that's what I mean, though. Like, when it's pushed out to the point where um, mm. we're actually... It becomes marketing. Yeah, but it doesn't, like, I think, I mean, yeah... About you can say about the All Blacks, but like I think with certain selections they made recently with certain mm, players who 100%. had been found guilty of certain crimes, yeah. I generally think, how can you as an organization? I understand people make mistakes and I understand people need support, but they yeah. shouldn't warrant selection of the highest level. They should be maybe almost immediately giving... as well. Yeah. I think you then realize that, yet yeah, a, a person's made a mistake. They yeah. should, number one, own up for it, but then work behind the scenes away from things with them if you are yeah. going to help them um, your and that, and, yeah
1: hundred yeah.
2: percent like like if yeah. I or anyone that works in day-to-day life if if something like that happened to them like if you were a teacher and that happened you'd get sacked yeah like no, you wouldn't 100%. get you, you wouldn't get the best school in the world ring you up and say oh Andy like do you want a job here right now because yeah. Uh, yeah. you're such a good guy but yeah, yeah that's 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 also one of the reasons why I, I I put videos on there as I want people to sort of understand both sides of the coin and give people as much information as possible. And hopefully people chat about it. Um, There's probably people that are probably bloody sick of the amount of videos that i put up on Twitter, but hopefully there's people take at least one thing away from it. So yeah, that's why I love doing it.
1: Well, it reminds me of that Ricky Gervais skit where he goes up to the, the board where it's got guitar lessons and he rips off the paper saying, oh, I don't want bloody guitar lessons and calls up the guitar teacher saying, yeah. why are you offering guitar lessons? That, that's Twitter. Like, you can just walk past it. Don't watch it.
2: Don't look at it. It's all good. Yeah, 100%. The worst with <laughs> that, though, is the, um, I fall foul to the gra- the grammar police on Twitter quite a lot. <laughs> so, uh, like, I'll put a tweet out there and I know... one person will dm me or retweet Uh, it and they'll put actually it was there instead of there and i i I try and not get angry about it (laughs) but i'm like i can't believe they've actually bloody done that but my my partner says to me all the time like you've got to ignore it and calm down because i get so frustrated by it but uh but yeah
1: the beauty of uh anonymous uh dms it's uh, a lot of fun cool all right, well, we'll wrap things up uh, with the same final four questions I do every show. When you were a kid growing up, who was uh, one of the, the players who really stood out to you that, that made you want to play the game and, and love it?
2: Um, I think I forgot the answers I gave you beforehand. So I'm just going to think off the top of my head, I would probably say um, growing up, I, uh, I really like the Leicester Tigers prop, Julian White. Right, like because I played in the front row. He's just proper old school, like just proper rugged, just just run the ball hard, like farming background. I just liked what he was about, like nice. really liked what he was about as a player. Um, but yeah, he was probably one that I grew up and always always enjoyed watching. But even though I don't support Tigers, I always used to like watching him play. They've uh, they've had a history of some good props come through that club for sure. Yeah, let me uh,
1: just to help you out. I'm gonna I'm just on on the Google drive sheet here. And oh, here uh, we go. It's going to be way off. I know it is live response here. Here we go. Oh my goodness. Couple of beauties, Richard Hill and Keith Wood
2: were your selections. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. Keith Wood would def- definitely, because just because I like think he used to kick the ball all the time. Yeah. Like I'm Literally <laughs> like genuine. And he used to have an absolute cannon of a boot on him as well. Yeah. Like he yeah, would, I, I'll put it out there and say, I, I think he was better kicking than Ron Nagara was. Oh, like when he, yeah. he could get distance on it um but yeah 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 that's probably i'll probably yeah i'll put all three of those players in the mix
1: nice nice and uh what about now who are you, who you're liking you've actually got you've gone to uh an inside back and an outside back for this one
2: <laughs> oh, one, one
1: broke the hearts and dreams of england uh fans so uh he's one of my personal favorites uh and one is a current superstar
2: is it DuPont or Marcus Smith
1: Marcus Smith is uh, is one of yours, and then uh, Cheslin Colby was the other oh one. yeah,
2: the reason I like Cheslin Colby so much is because I love his background mm, of yeah, I like the fact that he was sort of told in South Africa he's too small to play yeah um that's great, and he's just an absolute rock star now, and yeah. like i I always that's probably where I get quite militant on Twitter, whereas I will like, well, if ever like it's like Hamish Watson and all those boys that are dropped because they're too small like that 's going back. Going back to coming over, like coming back to Australia, the amount of boys mm-hmm. that are small, slender, slight, but they're unbelievable at rugby. Yeah. Um, I think Look they sort Gitto. of...
1: Matt Guido oh, would never have played yeah. for, the, for any other team outside of yeah. you know, the Wallabies and the All Blacks. You know?
2: <laughs> like, That's the thing that I like here is they don't, there's not such a heavy emphasis on mm-hmm. physicality and size, like just not really spoken about um, as mm-hmm. much at such a young age. They just want to work on skills and evasion and catch and pass, which is what I think is most important. Yeah. Yeah. hundred um, percent. And what about uh, third
1: question? Who's who's a high profile coach uh, that you look up to and respect uh, and was possibly a mentor of yours at some stage?
2: Oh, I'd have In to say, end. I'd <laughs> have to say, yeah. Pesa probably. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, yeah, definitely. I'd say again, like I said at the start of the pod about him. Yeah. He, he just, he's just helped me loads and give me loads of time, loads of help, and probably his most important thing, he's probably helped me in that sort of bigger brother role as well of sort of help me in some respect understand what it is to become a man because he sort of came into my life when I was like 23, 24. So he's sort of been around now for sort of seven or eight years and just yeah. re- really, really helped me in that regard. Um, so, yeah, I definitely owe him a few beers or money at some point probably like big brother <laughs> figure yeah 100 awesome awesome
1: and i'll get i just want to make sure this goes well um so i'll get moritz moritz mate if you can edit this when you hear this um so your grassroots guys were ryan kirby and tom gilchrist so yeah I'll, yeah I'll ask, that, I'll ask that question now cool all right perfect and what about um final question uh who are some people in the grassroots who deserve some recognition and a
2: shout out I probably say uh, so. One coach, Ryan Kirby. He's he's at a school called Rydal Pinross. Now, there's going to be a lot of Welsh people who are probably going to get really angry at, at that <laughs> pronunciation of that, and I've probably gone completely wrong on it. Um, but yeah, he's head, He's the head of rugby there, and he's like he's running a great program there. He's a proper good coach. Like, just creates the really fun sessions, like engaging sessions, like. Again, really personable with the boys. Um, yeah, he's a proper good guy, really good coach, running a good programme. And then the other coach, so Tom Gilchrist, he runs the ACE programme uh, up at Bishop Burton. So he runs their, their school programme up there and he's to stuff with the England counties for the North. Um, and then we work with each other in Scot- uh, for the Scotland stuff as well. And he's just been a great help and mentor over the years um he's really really helped me a lot I've learned loads from him he's got I mean he's probably got a spreadsheet full of kids who have come through his system at school and at sort of Yorkshire Academy where he's the head coach of there as well that have gone on to play pro rugby so he's doing great work and he probably gave me the best advice ever when I was only been coaching two or or three years and he basically just said to me just be yourself Mm. and he was like don't change for anybody he said just be yourself don't change for anybody he was like as soon as you do that, you're compromising sort of your own values and who you are. Um, and advice. that's all that that's always resonated with me. Um, and I still, I, I've got a terrible memory, but I sort of remember that driving back down the M five back home after a camp. And we had a reflection and that's what he just said to me. He was like, mate, just be yourself and you'll be fine. Great. Awesome advice. And a great way to wrap things
1: up. All right, Andrew. Well, it's been great chatting with you. Um, great to hear about your adventures uh, in Australia and uh, excited uh, to follow uh, the successes of uh, Norse in the, uh, in the Colts and uh, also in the, the great stuff. And uh, yeah, I want to thank you for giving up your time and uh, coming on the show for a chat.
2: Honestly, absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for having me on. I've, I've really loved it. Awesome.
0: Cheers. Thanks for listening to the rugby coaches corner podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review via iTunes and keep listening for the next episode. You can also follow us via Twitter at RugbyCoachesCNR or via the website TheRugbyCoachesCorner.com. Until next time, keep sharing ideas to make the game better.